Pro's future, which could be just minutes away. Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our first show on Tech Rev of 2021. Welcome to a new year, a new everything. We're hoping it's going to be a brighter, happier, safer, healthier, more wonderful year on the business side, on the personal side for everybody we know and love. I have a special group of people who are here ready today to pounce on their predictions. Our topic will cover mobility, manufacturing, automotive, suppliers, a whole potpourri of topics in honor of our long-running series, the Future of Mobility and Manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. And the sponsor of that series, Judy Cubis, is here with us. But before I introduce my very special guests, we're each going to have about four and a half minutes to fill our heads with wonderful predictions on the topic. Let me give you a little bit of overview of what we're talking about here today. So I have two buzz quotes. You all know I start my shows with one. We've got two because it's a new year, so we're doing it real special. Buzz number one, Doc Brown said to Marty McFly, ah, you all know I'm talking about Spielberg's Back to the Future 1985 sci-fi film. Doc Brown says, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. And that's my homage to mobility and automotive. Julie Freem from OASA understands that. A shout out to Adam Slayman, who's here in the background, too. And buzz number two, I have a quote from The Jetsons, the movie, 1990 American animated sci-fi comedy. Mr. Spacely, voiced by Mel Blanc, says, where's Jetson and why is the plant shut down? And Rudy, too, Ronnie Shell says, it's the middle of the night, sir. Mr. Spacely answers, everybody listen up, machines don't sleep, start it up. Every second lost means money lost and money lost means I scream a lot. There you go. That's our tribute to those two industries. If you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball to see what 2021 holds for your company, the industry, the world, your career, your family, We've got the next best thing. Today is January 6, 2021. I have a panel of nine, yes, nine thought leaders gathered here to predict the future of mobility, automotive manufacturing, and related technologies. Our special will continue next week on January 13th and the week after on the 20th and finalize on the 27th of January. So pour a cup of Earl, Joe, Dom, if you've got any bubbly left from New Year's, and join us for Technology Revolution, the future of now, Crystal Ball Predictions Part 4 Live. Let's work together and make it a great year. Let me tell you who my special guests are today, and they're all very special to me because they're here. Judy Cubis, Global Director for Automotive and IMNC at SAP. Welcome, Judy. We have Julie Freem, I mentioned her a minute ago, President and CEO of OESA for the Uninitiated, that's the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. Michael Hessler is with us. He's a VP with Capgemini's Automotive Business in North America. Jennifer, Jennifer A. Dukarski, we call her Jen, is a shareholder based in Butzel Long's Ann Arbor office. She'll explain that. Dave Briaw, he told me to skip the GH, is the American Manufacturing Lead at Microsoft. Happy to have you here. Tom Madonna, frequent guest with me on all kinds of shows, SAP Industry Executive Advisor for Automotive. Renee Stevens is here. She's the VP of Automotive at We Predict, an interesting company. 
company. Valerie Clark is here. She leads IBM services for edge computing and rounding out our stellar panelist, Fabio Raffo Omdias, principal analyst and strategist leading the industrial software team. Welcome, everybody. Let's get the party started. Judy Cubis, my dear, you're up first. Judy, I'm going to put you on speaker view and we can't wait for your prediction. So go ahead, Judy. Welcome. Oh, my prediction is it'll get a lot quieter when the the dustbin men, the trash men go past, <laughs> but hopefully it won't be too noisy. I mean, I think I believe more in evolution rather than um, revolution. So I think we'll continue to see a lot of focus on things that help companies, you know, build their operational flexibility and resilience. I mean, I think that primarily means still a lot of focus on digitalization and especially on um, implementing and scaling industry 4.0 projects. I think that will continue throughout this year. Um, I think there was a recent Deloitte poll that showed that 76% of manufacturing executives continue to expect their companies to increase investments in digital initiatives. I mean, and this is not only to drive um, resilience and flexibility, but also looking to the future, help them to address the demand for bespoke and personalized solutions and move towards slowly towards outcome-based service or just value-added services based on these products, but being able to do that at a sort of a reasonable or standard cost. I mean, I think the other thing that we're going to see is, again, with the theme of resilience, is moving away from the single sourcing threads, looking at multi-sourcing, geographic diversity, local sourcing, proximity manufacturing. I'm not sure how many more buzzwords I can throw in there. Mm -hmm. But um, looking at business networks, extended business networks, you know, making sure that there are there's visibility throughout all of the multiple tiers in the supply chains, helping everybody in the ecosystem, you know, have visibility to what the demand is, what the risks are, and that will help everybody identify new business opportunities collaboratively. So I think we'll see a much more rise in these extended business networks and I think the other advantage of these um, business networks will help companies address sustainabilities. I mean, every every stakeholder is becoming more aware of the impact of their choices and, and they want to have information that helps them decide on their purchases, both, I think, throughout the ecosystem and so manufacturers will be more cognizant of the need to maybe minimize their carbon emissions make the connection between their operations and what that means to the green bottom line so i think these networks will as well helping the resilience and flexibility will also help address people's ability to be much more sustainable and I think my last, um, my last sort of prediction is a continued focus on people. Skilled workers, mm-hmm. especially in manufacturing, will continue to be in high demand. Um, the Oxford Economics study cited uh, nearly a quarter of manufacturers said that skilled workers will be um, a key, a lack of skilled workers will be a sort of a critical inhibitor to re- achieving their 
um, strategic change initiatives. And I think as we come out of this pandemic, keeping employees safe, um, being able to onboard, train, and allocate tasks, um, both on the shop floor and off the shop floor, will require increased digitalization. So I think those would be my main themes going into 2021, and I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody else has to say about their predictions. Thank you very much. Good kickoff to our special. If you're just joining us, this is Technology Revolution, the future of now. We're live on Facebook, on my Facebook page, and we're live on the Voice America Business Channel. I have nine experts, wonderful thought leaders with me today talking about mobility, manufacturing, and automotive and all of its related topics. And that brings us to our guest number two, Julie Freem at OESA. Julie, welcome. I hope you had a great holiday. I'm putting you on speaker view and a shout out to your colleague, Adam Slayman, who is in the background keeping an eye on this. So he wants to see what you have to say. So Julie, go ahead. All right. Uh, Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. I am uh, delighted to be here with all of you. So Uh, Looking forward, I think, like many of you, to 2021 and uh, moving on. Uh, However, 2020 did change um, a lot of what we're doing in business. uh, And it's important that we recognize that and uh, think about that as it impacts our individual companies. So um, I'm going to address four points. Manufacturing. I'm going to talk a little bit about the office environment and what that means. Uh, transportation itself, so a little bit on mobility and what's going to happen there, and then just our lives in general, uh, what 2020 did for us in terms of our lives. So starting with manufacturing, sort of building on what Judy talked about, um, it is just increasing a tremendous amount in the manufacturing environment, and, and one of the key drivers for that is artificial intelligence and data. And artificial intelligence um, will accelerate in the coming years. So that is, a, in my mind, a key prediction that you're going to see more and more data-driven um, manufacturing. And by that, I mean it's the integration of sensors, uh, electrical, mechanical controls for quality. Uh, you're going to see automation in robots. Um, preventative maintenance will be driven by AI. So, you know, a lot of the tasks that were quote unquote manual labor previously will now be something that is done um, using artificial intelligence. Um, I think what's new and challenging up for us in the US, and Judy uh, mentioned it too, is that we have to have the workforce in place uh, in order to do this. Um, so that means a lot of education, a lot of training for our existing workforce to be able to work in this new and changing environment. So you'll see an accelerated retraining of the workforce and the need to educate all of our um, uh, manufacturing uh, workers in order to be able to work in this changing environment. So next up, I think it's work itself in terms of the office environment and how we connect. And the office environment has in many cases become the home environment, Mm -hmm. um, as we all know. Uh, What I think you're gonna see as a result of this is companies adopting what I would call a true flexible working 
uh, policy. So maybe previously they said you could work from home, you know, once every two weeks, once a month. Now I think you're going to see there's a lot more acceptance, particularly, and dare I say it, in the older generation, <laughs> um, accepting that work from home can indeed work, um, that everyone has had to do it. Um, it's not, and I want to emphasize this, the office will not be eliminated. It may change. The size of it may change. Um, the layout, the use of the space, all of that may be different, but I, I, we are going to see a, a continuation of the office. There are elements of training, uh, bringing new employees on board, bringing groups together that still need to occur in person. Um, we will use similar to the manufacturing environment, more and more data uh, to automate some of what I would call the more traditional aspects of work, whether that's supply chain management, things like reordering materials, uh, some of the IT work that gets done, financial management, a lot of that can be uh, delegated to automate uh, artificial intelligence, bringing up people to do more complex work or uh, resolve and solve complex problems. Transportation, electric vehicles are coming globally. So get ready, it's happening. It will change the infrastructure that supports transportation. And I think that that is something we need to be aware of, that that is going to change. Um, however, it will take many years for EVs to completely replace the car park for all of the vehicles in the U.S. Um, the average vehicle age in the U.S. is almost 12 years old. So you can imagine what it will take to replace the total car park, um, how many years that will happen. But you will see that trend continue certainly through all of the 20s. What will accelerate this trend uh, is a breakthrough in battery technology. Uh, should that occur? Um, to increase both driving reins and then reduce the charging time. I want to highlight too, automated vehicles are coming. They're just not coming at the pace it was originally hyped. So it was hyped, you know, by, by 2020, we'll all be, um, none of us will have steering wheels in our cars, that kind of thing. Um, not happening, but you will see geofenced areas that have automated vehicles that transport people or transport goods. And I think it's important to realize that this is very key for the heavy duty transportation market. Really important that they adopt this because of the shortage of truck drivers and the need to increase uh, the amount of goods that are transported through trucking. So you're gonna see that emphasized over the coming years. Uh, the last one I have is just changing our lives, um, how data and data tracking will change that. A lot of us have Alexa already uh, in our homes, and uh, we have those devices. And, and I've heard all kinds of stories. Like, they give me advertisements for things I mentioned in the kitchen one day. I suddenly get, uh, you know, something on my computer. We're going to continue to see rapid changes there in how we shop, how we get entertainment, how we manage our homes and manage our money. All of that is going to continue to evolve. So a lot of this part is already online, but AI will be used to adapt it and to uh, further that technology uh, in the coming years. So Bonnie, that's, uh, those are my four predictions. Um, hopefully that 
hits a lot of things that people are going to talk about and opens the door for them to uh, give us some more details. Oh, yes. And Julie, very interesting. I'm watching the nodding. I can see everybody in little boxes at the top of the screen. I'm watching you mentioned AI, you mentioned data. And when you said car parks and cars are 12 years old, I'm thinking, goodness, I was going to apologize for mine, which is a 2015 370Z that I bought with about 12,000 miles, 18,000 miles on it, and I'm up to 35,000. I figured, oh, my God, I'm not driving in. A- well, my joke at the end of the show, which I, I'm going to preview right now, is my car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. How's yours doing? So <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thank you very much, Julie. Wonderful predictions. Let's go to Michael Hessler. Michael, welcome. Happy to have you. Hope you had a good holiday. I'm putting you in speaker view. We're All ready right. for your predictions. Hit it running. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me, Bonnie. Yes, sir. And happy new year to everyone um, on the channel here. I've got uh, three predictions to share that I think will have pretty significant implications to OEM suppliers and other service providers in the industry. First one is software is going to be increasingly important as a driver uh, in innovation and differentiation. So not just within the vehicle, but around the vehicle. Uh, What this is going to do is it's going to create a whole new ecosystem around um, digital services, digital capabilities. You know, the vehicle is already a platform uh, for software. It's a rolling data center. So I think this is going to be accelerated in 2021. And we're going to see a lot of new opportunities for OEMs and suppliers, but also some challenges as they think about how they organize, as they think about um, how do they evolve into a software-oriented company, as they think about the talent they'll need to kind of support, you know, a new set of capabilities that is going to be an important buyer value for those out looking at mobility options. So software is going to take a more prominent role in the future of the vehicle. Uh, Secondly, We've been collecting a ton of vehicle data for years now. So I think 2021, we are going to see companies actually capitalize on that investment, create new services, new markets, new sources of revenue. That's going to be accelerated by the ability to capture sensor data with V2X connectivity, as well as edge computing. So I think we're going to see companies really take a leap forward in creating digital platforms that define the future of their organization. So monetizing vehicle data is going to be a major theme in 2021 from from our perspective. Finally, I think we're going to see companies invest in those next generation cloud solutions to drive the next step function increase in, in enterprise effectiveness and enterprise efficiency, leveraging the data they now have across their supply chain, uh, applying AI and machine learning capabilities Um, evolving their operating models to deal with uh, the need for much quicker uh, cycle times around product development, to deal with really getting to a a better understanding of their markets, of their customers, to be able to deal with a very dynamic supply chain. They're going to need these enterprise applications that are in the cloud, that are flexible, that are uh, allowing them to quickly adapt new technology around robotics and AI. to to effectively complete in the industry. So what I believe this all means is a lot of exciting opportunities, a lot of evolution in operating models and how we define markets and how we define uh, what the industry is going to become. And it's going to be an exciting time. So 
those are my predictions. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Very, very interesting. The idea of monetizing data in the car, or the, the statement used to be, you can run, but you can't hide. And now I think it's, you can drive, but you can't hide. Uh, we've, we've talked for years about predict about the permission, about the ownership of data in a car, sure. about security. We know there have been some wonderful cases of reporters who purposely hacked a, a, an autonomous vehicle and ran into a ditch. And, and who owns the control? We see, yeah, Julie's making faces. I know, I know. And we've seen all kinds of movies about predictions about, about what we say and what we do. And we do know Alexa is listening. So I'm going to stop right there because I don't want to say anything. Jen Dukarski, we're ready for you. Jen, welcome. Hope you had a good holiday, a good new year, and ready to hit the ground running. Go ahead, Jen. You're up. Oh, Bonnie, I tell you, you could not have kicked me off any better with that last set of discussions. I mean, it, it's absolutely the, the crux of my predictions. So I want to start out, though, with, with giving you the three main drivers that I think are going to drive my predictions and drive the year. And believe it or not, that's food. Yes, food is going to drive mobility, fleets, and finally data. Um, so we heard about data, I'll leave it for last, but food. When you think about food with 2020 and the pandemic, food delivery was just through the roof. So our need to get food will really push that last mile solution. So I really see last mile solution trends moving towards the future. And that includes some of the autonomy and the autonomous features that we're talking about, waiting to see it in the passenger vehicle. It's going to be developed at the, the lower level with the last mile solution delivery robots. So everything we wanna see, we're going to have much more beta testing on the ground level with these types of mobility units. So it's not just gonna be that hypothetical Domino's pizza delivery car coming around. You're gonna see a lot more of this technology. Um, it's going to integrate some of the great things in artificial intelligence, combining the artificial intelligence with all of the data from sensors to really improve and drive autonomy forward. So food is really going to be one of the big kicks that's going to give autonomy a push in the future. Number two, fleets. Um, Julie had mentioned that fleets are going to be a major influencer, and I think that that's going to be true. When you look at what we're going to do with fleets in the coming year, not only are we going to, to really push the envelope on some of that autonomy, but the data that's gathered and collected at the fleet level it is really going to continue to push us towards stronger data usage, stronger understanding of mobility and sensors, um, travel and traffic, and moreover, fleets are going to be a great introductory place for mobile health data. So health data in the car. When you stop and think about health data in the car, I mean, I once had somebody say to me, give me 12 sensors in the car and I'll revolutionize healthcare." And I really truly think that that's something that we can look forward to in the coming years. And 2021 is going to be a quick pivot point to try to make that happen. Um, there are technologies being developed right now that can detect certain illnesses. Now, if you put these into fleets, you may be able to determine if somebody has a fever. Um, you may be able to kind of make those COVID assessments on your fleet drivers based on the technology in the vehicle. So the integration of those healthcare tech 
technologies into the car, it's going to be an outstanding opportunity that we'll eventually be able to parlay into the passenger vehicle. We may be able to figure out not just when somebody's doing a little bit of drowsy driving, but we may be able to see when they're having truly an emergency that requires eventually the car to take over driving and help the car go to a safe space off the side of the road and summon help. So it's going to be the year of healthcare in the car. And finally, data. Um, really, there's no great surprise that data is out there everywhere. And a few years ago, Senator Markey wrote a report on tracking and hacking. So those are the two things in data that we really care about. We care about cybersecurity and we care about data privacy. Obviously, with a clear prediction, there is going to be legislation in the coming year. There will be new regulations in the coming year in the United States and globally. So if you're not ready for either more cyber legislation uh, or if you're not ready for privacy legislation, get ready, it's coming. And I can almost guarantee that we will see changes that will increase people's privacy protections. We know that's already happening in California, mm -hmm. but I think that it's going to spread throughout the states uh, and hopefully to some degree on a federal level. Now, the flip side of that is not just the legislation, but it is the hacking. We've been really fortunate to date that in the industry, we, we really don't have any publicized, free-ranging, over-the-air attacks um, or things that are outside of a controlled environment that are truly public, that have shaken public confidence. I'm unfortunately going to advance the prediction that we will probably have something this year that will scare the public to some degree. Mm -hmm. And my prediction is that it's not just going to be somebody random doing it, but there's going to be somebody who is an insider threat. We're finding more people in companies are truly the, the leading cause of non-nation state hacks. So my fear is that somebody who used to be uh, an employee perhaps at a dealership, and they do this now. If you look at the undercurrent, uh, they can take and, and once, they're, once they've left the dealership, they can do things in the vehicle that, that most companies definitely don't want them to do. Uh, there are reported cases of people kind of clearing out all defect codes and all fault codes and selling vehicles. Just wait for them to figure out there's money in it, taking that next step. And I predict in 2021, we're going to have the first known attack on the physical systems of an automobile from somebody outside um, of, of kind of a researcher. Um, not to mention that there's still going to be susceptibility as we saw some of the major manufacturers and some of the major suppliers are still seeing hacks. So food, fleets, and data. Those are my big three, Bonnie. Thank you, Jen. Have you sold the rights to the screenplay to the, the scenario you just described for us? Yeah. <laughs> They've already had The Fate of the Furious, and, and I, I thought that was, that was a good movie. Not very realistic, but very cool. I want to know who's going to play you in the movie version, Jen. <laughs> That's well, it. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I, I think we'll vote for you to play yourself. Thank you very much. Next up, Dave Bria at Microsoft. Dave, we're so happy to have you here, and I'm going to put you up on speaker view, and we would love to hear your predictions. Welcome, Dave. Very good. Well, thank you. Happy New Year, and thank you for including me on the panel. So I, I think um, many of the esteemed speakers have covered a lot of the key talking points. I think um, a couple of things that we're seeing is there's almost this dichotomy across different industries and different types of manufacturers. Some were caught pretty flat-footed um, at the advent of COVID in terms of their supply chains and even being able to get people to their factories. Um, the companies that started down kind of a digitization path were able to respond quite a bit um, better. And so as such, we're really seeing 
um, kind of a move from doing science experiments or proof of concepts to kind of test that technology works and really um, coalescing around some, um, I'll use the word packaged industry solutions where you can bring together capabilities at scale. And so we're doing a lot of work with our customers around um, really bringing more agility into their factories for those that um, have seen their demand forecast get cut in half. Mm -hmm. It's more of a cost takeout um, capacity reduction play. There's other industries like food that Jennifer just talked about where, um, you know, they can't keep up with demand. And so it becomes more of a throughput play and, and trying to bring more resiliency into the supply chain. Um, a lot of that's really with the view towards a bigger goal of really having connected products, being able to bring digital services to those products, as Michael talked about, and then being able to enrich the customer experience. And so those are really the areas that we're trying to bring together our platforms, our AI, a lot of the raw kind of um, technology that re required more of a construction project to get deployed to something where we can work with partners. Um, Microsoft doesn't claim to have all the answers. And so we're working both with other technology providers, other um, SI partners, and even some strategic advisory firms for companies that really haven't gone through the strategy process. They don't know where to start. I think the key is, um, well, the scope and timing has been delayed with these big transformation projects there is still a huge opportunity to go in and deliver a pretty quick ROI by bundling use cases and being able to deliver them so they don't um, just become a project. And so I like what Michael talked about as well with new operating models. We believe that there's a huge opportunity to consolidate the layered planning that typically happens in manufacturing to get more connected so that you can look at real-time data and then be able to digitize all of the operations, right? Whether you talk about the end-to-end -end digital thread, a supply chain control tower, a digital twin at a factory or a line level, um, those are all programs that we're seeing companies really increase their appetite for. And so it's actually changed the way that we work with our customers. It's gotta be more of a collaborative approach. We want to um, work with them to really create a, a shared vision and then lay out what is that roadmap that provides rapid value, but also investment cert certainty in things that can get done in months, not years. So I think we're seeing some durable shifts around the impact post COVID. And it's really gonna force companies to reevaluate their um, entire supply chain networks, the way that they look at risk, how they identify alter alternative sources of supply with the goal of trying to really reduce lead time and improve the um, ability to customize their products and services to their customers. So I think those are some of the big things that we're seeing. On the last episode that you um, ha had me participate, I think one of my predictions was that we see um, the ability for companies to stand up disposable operating models, right? When you get on these digital platforms, you have the data modeled and you're able to really understand the market and consumer trends you can basically stand up a new way to go to market, take advantage of that um, you know, piece of demand for the time that it exists and then be able to you know, tear it down and rec reconstruct a new operating model. And that's been very difficult in the past. I think 
with a new op a next generation operating model comes a next generation technology architecture. And that's where the hyperscale kind of clouds become the backbone or the foundation for doing a lot of that work. Thank you very much. And not a moment too soon with these new and flexible operating models because of the post-pandemic era. We are hoping, hoping and crossing our fingers to be entering in 2021. And I see some people nodding. I think I said something smart there. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it. Next Thank up. Thank you. Thank you. Tom Madonna, you're up next. I appreciate your being here. And Tom, I'm, I'm uh, just putting you on my list here. So I've got you all highlighted. So I'm ready to put you on speaker view. Tom, I hope you had a great holiday. You and I did so many segments on the OESA Automotive Insider Show last year. That's Julie's organization. And I'm happy to have you here. So Tom Madonna, can't wait for your predictions. Go ahead. Okay, Bonnie, and also the listeners and the, and the panel. Uh, we did some predictions back in December and I decided to take a different approach than some of the, the panelists. Um, Bonnie, you and I always talk about uh, quotes from, uh, from movies, and, and, you, mm -hmm. and you took one of mine in regards to the Back to the Future, but the one I'll start with is Mad Max. Mad Max originally was set for 2021. And, and if you look at you know, what was predicted in regards to the, the organization or the lack of organization, the breakdown of what occurred in the, in the world and how things were, were impacted, you can see that those were pretty interesting uh, directions with the movie. But some of my predictions, I'll go ahead and, and list them out and then we'll talk about them. I predict that the, uh, the EV uh, population will grow to about 10% of the market. So we're right now at about five, five and a quarter, I predict 10% by end of year. I predict that the AV uh, population will be somewhere between two to 5% based upon execution. Again, very similar to what Julie said in regards to what cities are gonna be bounded and, and how that's gonna impact long truck uh, haul. I believe that uh, we'll have our first prototype of an air taxi uh, that will be also an AV based. Mm. I believe that'll be something out that'll be uh, something that'll be looking at towards the end of this year, beginning of next year. So Zook is not going to be the only one basically in the game in regards to doing AV vehicles. We're going to be looking at air AV also. The next normal, you know, the next normal is going to be a combination of in-person and virtual execution. I believe that's going to happen with uh, digitization. I think it's going to happen with transformation. I think it's going to happen with the way people actually do their work. And lastly, I think the business model and industry in general is going to change. I think the old established execution model is going to be thrown out. It has to be thrown out. And I think you're going to see the new agile innovation that's going to come through. And the establishments that are companies that are 35, 40 years old, they're no longer going to be able to be stuck in that mode. They're going to have to move and move quickly or they're going to lose market share and they're going to lose the execution model for a customer experience. So I'll go back to my prediction and, and, and you know this quote and I've actually used it a couple of times. In Jaws in 1975, Ash Schroeder's basically backing up, looking at the, the, the chumming of the water. Mm -hmm. The first thing he says is, we need a bigger boat. Mm -hmm. well, guess what? We got that this year. With the introduction of 5G, with the introduction of the new business model, with the introduction of a direction of building of one as compared to build a stock or, or build to order, but building to one, the customization, having the customer be able to pick things out, and the trends of the workforce all have given us a direction that has allowed us a, a new model to actually execute from. And so the big three are going to have to basically work and act like the small three. The platform providers that are out there are going to have to basically scale up to basically be uh, impactful in regards to having that EV execution. And the suppliers are going to be along for the ride. 
I think at this point in time, it's, it's innovation and it's going to be technology and it's going to be data. And as everyone basically gets ready for that, that's going to drive not only a business, money, but also recovery. So you start to look at the economy, you start looking at manufacturing, you start looking at automotive. We saw a good trend in, in the fourth quarter. I see that trend continuing. I see that, con- that trend actually uh, going up. And I also see a new change in regards to the U.S. manufacturing industry. And that is more done here. So it could actually be introduced and given to the customer earlier, as well as being modified. So again, what is going to have basically needed for that? Technology, data, and speed. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you very much. And thank you for the movie quotes. We have to add Mad Max to the list of movies that I suggest. When my guests can't think of a movie or a song quote, we're going to say, hey, check out Mad Max. Why not, right? Those of you who haven't been on my my live Game Changers shows for SAP and some of the other shows I host and produce, we always ask the guests for a quote from a movie or a song. And those of you who've just been on Automotive, Jen, I think you're on one with me. Those of you who have only been on (laughs) Automotive Insiders with me, we haven't gone to that. We haven't done that. Julie, we might add that to your podcast this year. Favorite movie or a song and has nothing Nothing to do with the topic, and then they relate it to the topic of the road words. Thank you, Tom, very much. Let's move on. We've got about 20 minutes left. Renee Stevens has been waiting so patiently. Renee, there you are. We predict, delighted to have you, and Renee has been heroically promoting this show on LinkedIn for a couple days, and I appreciate that very much. So, Renee, we're ready for your predictions. Go. Absolutely. Thanks, Bonnie, and uh, glad to join you, and happy 2021 to everyone. Um, So as you can imagine, with a name like we predict, um, we do some predictions. (laughs) We do it every day and working with a lot of uh, the the data that's coming through the industry. Um, So so let me share um, some of my thoughts and what I'm seeing out there and also where I see us going. And uh, and Jen kind of, uh, on the first one, Jen kind of touched on it when she talked about food and the fact that you know now we're we're getting a lot of deliveries for food, and that's uh, allowing us to um, interact in a different way with with restaurants, with with companies than we have before. And the way I look at it, a little bit broader, I, I say convenience is king. It's always been king, and it will remain so. And in fact, it's it's grown um, because we've grown mm-hmm. more used to it. So many of us will still want to go out to those brick and mortar stores. Um, go to the dealership, touch and feel those new vehicles or used vehicles um, that we're, we're going to buy um, just to get out of the house in some ways, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but the fact is that more and more we'll, continue, we'll, just shop, on, we'll shop online. So that's that, that digitization that we talked about there. And, and, and there's more that expect all of the aspects of that shopping to happen online from uh, the, the shopping part of it to the selection to you know buying a new car, fin- financing it and closing all those deals online, adding options, extended services. Uh, yes, those extended warranties that come out there, you know, not just through the phone, but being able to add it. Um, but also the, the option of having, you know, even someone come right to your driveway um, for routine maintenance and repairs and updates that happen to your vehicles. Mm-hmm. So mobile service. So again, thinking of that convenience aspect, um, mobile service, which started off as kind of a differentiator, 
I would say, um, more and more uh, dealerships are offering that service. And I believe it's going to become a must have to compete in the service industry going forward. Um, so, you know, even though people are working from home, like we are today, um, a lot of us, and theoretically, we should have more time, right, to be able to take our vehicles into dealerships um, and for that service. The, the reality is what we've all been finding is we're busier than ever. We're on conference calls where people are homeschooling. They're having to work through that. And people just do not value sitting in a repair shop waiting for their vehicles. So again, one aspect of that convenience, um, making sure that um, we're providing services where people are, I think will grow and more opportunities to provide that and will be the companies um, that will succeed. So that's one, convenience. Um, Secondly, similar to what Michael and, and Tom talked about, I look at that whole, um, the, the view of um, manufacturers and how they are going to have to change how they do business and how many are. So today I see more traditional manufacturers um, flirting with expanding their direct sales funnel approach to directly to customers. Now, that's not to say that they're going to, you know, stop utilizing their dealer networks um, or flaunt their agreements with retailers, um, but new startups and also some other of the niche and, um, and other automakers that are coming into, looking to come into the U.S. market are creating more direct paths to consumers. And it's becoming more and more acceptable to do that. Um, when we look at that. So they're increasing their margins and that's also giving them an edge in the market. So with, with an increasing fleet, as we've, we've heard earlier here of the connected vehicles on the road, really automakers and suppliers of those connected components are in a better opportunity and they, they do have a great opportunity to create personal, more personal and directed and ongoing discussions with their consumers and as we heard earlier, really monetize on those situations. Um, and, and that will lead them in the future to be more of the customer gatekeeper than even they have been previously. So they have the opportunity, but I would say traditional players can't do it alone. Uh, they need to have a good tech partner uh, in order to pull it off. And the ones that will be sustainable um, will be those that partner well. And, and not think that they can do it all themselves and do it all internally. We've already seen how that's played out in the past few years. And I, I see that continuing as we look at in the next year. So that's my second prediction. Um, third, um, looking at EVs. And I agree with Julie. I mean, I look at, if you think about just the ton of EV the models and all new EV lineups that are on their way, manufacturers will be challenged with finding ways to increase acceptance of these vehicles. So, you know, in addition to providing the charging and, and getting those out there, consumers need to accept that they, and they need to want these vehicles as well. Uh, some will work and we're already seeing it. Some of these manufacturers are starting to work better with their dealer bodies, open up rental services. So consumers could either experience an EV for a short term, kind of try it out, see how they like it, or also for a while have a gas alternative if they buy an EV 
and uh, maybe they have a backup for a trip if they're going to make a long trip and are not comfortable with that range yet or the charging stations on their way. I see other companies um, that are focusing on helping set up personalized charging plans for customers, again, to get that acceptance up and also partnering with charging stations um, to help make sure that owners are comfortable with their ability to keep their vehicles on the road and keep them charged and running. Um, so that's another trend. And then also the other trend I see are longer warranties. So I, I see a lot of manufacturers now mm -hmm. and in new entrants that are coming in, a lot of the startups that are actually offering longer warranties. Um, one, they, they look at maybe a, a reduced warranty rate. So they think they'll have you know, high quality vehicles, but also to cover the higher cost of some of the components um, that will be out there and that they, the consumer could have to deal with if it wasn't covered. Um, but today, gas prices, at least in the U.S., fairly low. Sales of EVs, I think I see them increasing. We've heard some, some forecasts here. Um, I think they're still going to be a low, low runner until acceptance is achieved. And even with these mandates that I'm seeing by states and by governments, um, at least in the U.S., um, I believe that manufacturers that have a better plan to increase acceptance early will gain more of that EV market going forward. Thank you, Renee. Very, very interesting. Convenience is king, and I think convenience is tied today to safety, right? Convenience coming to you and doing it safely. Curbside pickup, home deliveries, touchless. That's part of the world we live in. Thank you, Renee. Next up, we've got two more guests here. Valerie Clark, you're up. You've got your four minutes of glory here. So, Valerie, go ahead. Welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. And it is so glorious always to be with you. You're such Thanks. a fun lady. <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> uh, so, so, so much was said here, right? And I, and I hesitate to repeat, right? So I'm just going to, you know, I normally would talk heavily about manufacturing and bringing AI to the edge and doing things in real time and, you know, increasing levels of automation as we move down that path to Industry 4.0. But you already said it all. So I agree with you, team. Um, and I just want to push forward and say, um, I've been doing a lot of thinking, like stepping back, right? Um, because manufacturing is one aspect of it, but it really is about, you know, we have sustainability, I think is going to be a, an increased focus, um, really coming from consumer demand, um, but also, you know, a greater focus on the supply chain. I mean, you just go on the, well, we're on Facebook right now, right? Everybody's complaining about their packages not getting there by Christmas, right? Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, I did some projects earlier in the year where I had to order a lot of equipment for some high-tech labs I created, and it took a lot longer for that equipment to get there. And I went, hmm, <laughs> I know what's going on here. So, um, but what do we mean? I, I think um, typically in the supply chain area, the processes are very discrete, right? And it's very linear. Um, and what we're looking at now, some of our capabilities with AI and cognitive and, and you know, the discussion around uh, monetizing data or getting more value from that data using um, IoT and sensors um, and things like that to to infuse greater data uh, for insights, right? Those things allow us to have more of a, um, a holistic supply chain, right, with uh, greater demand forecasting. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to be an area where businesses can optimize, you know, both taking out costs and also uh, being more responsive and more resilient. So, for example, if, um, you know, and they all work together, right? So for manufacturing, you have to be able to get your commodities or raw materials, right? And then for supply chain, you've got to be able to manufacture the goods in time at the pace that needed, right? So just an example I can give is that, you know, a, to maintain production, a manufacturer might, you know, retain, say, four weeks of inventory, um, you know, on the 
premise, right, to ensure that they can meet demand. Um, if we can just do that small aspect of integrating with um, some of our more enterprise systems and getting that demand insight and reducing that from four weeks to three weeks, um, you know, assuming $100 million in inventory, right, that we can save $65 million in a month. So it, it's really looking at that business case and realizing that these old discrete processes that we've had around for 20, 30 years, because that's just the way it's always had to be done, right? Keep that inventory in the warehouse. We have the capabilities now to say, no, we don't have to do that. We can get better demand forecasting and we can also prioritize what inventory is critical for your supply chain and what inventory isn't so much, right? And so optimize around that. So that's just a very small one, right? But I, I like to give that as an example because it shows how they all fit together. Um, a couple of statistics, you know, with, with the digital supply chain, we see that um, you can reduce your procurement cost by 20%. Again, you know, optimizing around what you need when you need it. Um, I've got a 30% savings in supply chain expense and a 10% increase in revenue. This comes from some of our studies. You, you all probably know at IBM, we do these um, Institute for Business Value studies where we interview like thousands of CEOs and COOs um, and to get their um, performance indicators, right? So um, drawing on that because I think we're going to see a greater increase in, in an acceleration around those digital uh, supply chains. Um, again, reacting to all the factors going on, people are distributed in our world in a different way. They're at home, mm -hmm. right? So we need to be able to distribute um, rapidly. Um, another thing, and I think I'm going to pivot a little bit. I think it's been talked about, you know, partnerships and not doing things alone. Um, I, I call that the ecosystem, right? And it's actually been several years now. We've seen an increasing momentum toward what I call co-created industry solution partnerships. Now, why is that? It's because I think it's because true um, industry transformation stems from leveraging exponential technologies for the greater good of society. It is very hard to imbalance, get all of these exponential technologies to the table at the same time. It's happening right now, pretty amazingly, but advances in AI, microservices, hybrid cloud computing edge, it is happening. But then there's always going to be that piece that, you know, we need to partner to get there. A great example I can give you is, you know, for some of the use cases, in, particularly in that manufacturing, and even in the auto with the autonomous vehicle, um, require very, very, very low latency. Um, and that means 5G, right? And so we, I don't want to say we're waiting for 5G to get there, but we're seeing stimulus and acceleration, right? Based on the value that can be delivered to that industry. So we, literally I'm working with some um, telcos or CSPs to define and design and proof of technology out some, some solutions that they can go to their customers in industrial markets and say, look what we can do for you. So I love that because it expands our sales go to market, right? But we bring in our technology capabilities and they, you know, create for their customers a justifiable reason to advance along the continuum of, of greater connectivity. So I think we're going to see more and more of that because the doors, my doors being knocked on constantly about this. Um, I think our struggle is how to accept those business contracts, right? Because they have to be inclusive of the industry of all the players and partners. And so the leg I see is always missing is that client, <laughs> that client that wants to be the big investor, right? So um, a call out if anybody really wants to just start a new co, we're ready. We've got all the capabilities there. Um, but I do think that that's going to, we've seen it over time happening and it seems to be accelerating right now. And again, I think it's because of some of the exponential technologies and also just the change in our world, making it necessary for us to engage, interact and, and deliver. 
more rapidly. Thank you, Valerie. I appreciate that. I want to, I'm not rushing you, but I got to get time for Fabio here. Fabio, you're up. We've got four and a half minutes left to the show, and I'm giving you four of those minutes, equal time. Fabio, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me to the show, Bonnie. So I'm a manufacturing guy, so I will focus my prediction on that specific ecosystem. So I believe that 2021 will be the year of transition. In the last six months, as mentioned by uh, Judy, Dave, and others, we have observed the growth in digital initiative from remote working to restructuring the supply chain with the key objective to maintain the required level of productivity, but also limiting the risk for the employees. So Plato was right when he wrote that necessity is the mother of invention. The COVID crisis has just created imperative for companies to reconfigure their operation. While in 2020, the focus was on tactical action to get the remote workforce up and running and maintaining continuity, I expect in 2021 companies to focus on two significant strategic challenges. First, organization will look at building a cohesive, holistic view of their key engineering, manufacturing, and service processes. Second, they need to prepare their employees, including the blue collars, shops or people, for a more effective contribution to operation. These two complementary aspects in 2021 will be of general inter interest of the manufacturing ecosystem. So let's start with the need to access critical experimental production and in-service data remotely and share it across the value chain. Manufacturers are looking at how to better connect the IT system with their physical asset and automation. Production data from the shop floor, if available, are usually isolated in industrial black boxes, which are represented by typically by PLC, DCS, SCADA system, which are not easily accessible off the shop floor. For decades, the manufacturing sector has struggled with connecting products from multiple vendors, which often utilize proprietary solution, resulting in significant integration challenges and often resulting in vendor lock-in. So the landscape is changing with the entrance of new vendor and approaches from enterprise IT sector. New platform that can leverage containerization, light virtual machines are facilitating the decoupling of automation, hardware and software. What does it mean for manufacturer? Beyond removing the vendor lock-in, this would bring a transformational impact on mission-critical shop floor solution, shifting focus from the typical hardware capabilities and the limitation to application running agnostically across multiple devices. Let's now move to the, how manufacturer approach the digitalization of uh, manual activities. Based on uh, my research in 2021, Manufacturer plans to rebuild the shop floor employees' confidence in their value for the organization. The reality is that the current workforce and the next gen, in particular the next gen worker, no longer want an environment that, that sticks to risky, repetitive routines. Leading company understood that fostering a digital culture allows employees to feel part of a collaborative, creative, and autonomous workplace. You know, a kind of gamification of the working practices where digital tools, smart devices, and cobots will take care of repetitive tasks with technician focuses on value-added activities. 
A recent surveys that we ran at Omdia reported that augmented reality and remote assistance tools are expecting to increase by eight times in the next two years. What does it mean for manufacturer and employees? This is Abio, one sentence more. We got to wrap up. We're yeah, out of time. One sentence. Go ahead. Finish. Since organizations can move from, uh, the, the, there is a change from lengthy just-in-case training to a real, more effective just-in-time guidance to deliver any relevant in-context information to the operators. Thank this you, Fabio. Great. So many great points you brought up. I appreciate everyone, all of my special guests today. I think we lost somebody down there. Tom, I think, had to drop off. I want to thank you all for your predictions, for sharing your time with me. Remember the future of now. If somebody says to you, the future's already here, I want you to shake your finger at them and say, no, 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 that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. Tom, come back for the closing. Thank you to Aaron Keller, my engineer at Voice America. Thank you to Ryan Treasure, VP of Voice America, my co-producer. Everybody wave goodbye. Happy, healthy New Year. Fabio, I'll get you back on another show and we'll finish your predictions i promise bonnie <laughs> graham signing off thank you to everyone happy 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 stick around we're gonna take bye. a group picture bye thank you for joining us for technology revolution the future of now mark your calendar to join host bonnie d graham every wednesday at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern on the voice america business channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.